I was going to say that uh, when you lifted up your microphone, I was like, you know, I don't know anything about you yet. And I know that that was a recommendation, but that looks like the microphone a seven would get. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, it's got to be the only colorful microphone on the market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it- like gray, 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 silver, silver. Thank you. <laughs> and I have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow him. And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but we're doing our best to to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Don't you know it's all I have? But even on my heart Can't compare with what you're Alright, uh, welcome everyone uh, to Following the Fire. Uh, today we're gonna... Well, so this one time I was in a cafe and I was... Usually what I do <laughs> is I'll, I'll order a drink and I'll just walk through the cafe and like listen to what people are saying. And I'll sit down next to the group of people with the most interesting conversation going on. And I'll just pretend like I'm reading <laughs> and just like engage passively in their conversation the whole time and, and judge them basically. So this one time I was sitting in a cafe and uh, there was this like girl, you know, maybe in college and then this uh, middle-aged woman and the girl's like, yeah, so my friend's like a four and, but I'm more like a seven. And I was like, you think your friend is ugly? I thought she was doing like the, you know, like zero to 10 attractiveness scale. So she was talking mm-hmm. about her friends like, yeah. And I've, I even have a friend that's a three. I was like, oh man, you know, that's, that's kind of harsh. But then the more they, they, they were talking, then I, I realized like, I think that these people are in a cult. Because <laughs> she was like, I'm a seven, but then I, you know, mm-hmm. integrate into my something else. And and I was like, what in the world is going on? It turns out I was listening to a conversation about the Enneagram. And so today Sounds we're going right. <laughs> to... Yeah. It was so confusing. And so there's probably a lot of people out there who have heard of Enneagram or, or maybe who heard a weird conversation like that. So if you were like me and you are confused about what the Enneagram is like, or if you're like more recent me and you have used the Enneagram, but you want to learn more. I think uh, our guest is going to really help you out. We're here with Krista Cannon. She knows a lot about the Enneagram. Um, Yeah, Krista, uh, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. Uh, So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Krista, and I am a two-time certified life coach, uh, and I use the Enneagram in my life coaching. And so I'm also certified as an Enneagram coach as well. And the Enneagram for me, the reason why um, I wanted to come on and talk to you guys about it today is because it's been one of the most powerful tools in my spiritual transformation. And a lot of people don't really think of the Enneagram as a spiritual transformation type tool. We think of it as more of a personality test, right? Um, But really, it's actually a tool that takes you on a really amazing spiritual transformation. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, you don't, I don't often hear people talking about the Enneagram as a spiritual anything at all it, it it's like okay i'm tired of the myers-briggs let's do something different you know 
This one's not colors, it's numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Enneagram um, is actually an ancient tool and, you know, we kind of co-opted it into this personality typing tool. So it actually wasn't the Enneagram of personality um, until about like the 1950s-ish. And so um, really we use it in this way as a way to help us understand ourselves and help us understand the world. Um, But it's actually a much more powerful tool than just the nine numbers that you see on the Enneagram. And so it's kind of hard for me sometimes because the way a lot of people learn about the Enneagram is through Uh, memes on Instagram, right? That may be how some of you guys were introduced to it is you, you found this meme and you were like, Oh, like that describes me. Right. And then you kind of go down this rabbit hole of figuring out what your number is or like what sounds like you. And then you start to send all these funny memes to your friends, but it really, that kind of is really the, the very most basic version. And I don't want to put memes down because it is a way that people can get introduced to the Enneagram, which is great. And I want everyone to be introduced to it. Um, But it's, it's just the most like watered down version of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is actually a super powerful tool that we start with the psychology, right? We start with figuring out what your number is just like with Myers-Briggs or that, that sort of thing. Um, but really it takes you on this beautiful journey of self-transformation. And for me, it was a really beautiful spiritual journey. So, um, before we get, I'd really love to hear about your kind of your journey with this and how you discovered it. But since we are kind of a faith podcast, I just wanted to say, isn't witchcraft against the Bible? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous with this Enneagram stuff. Could could you tell us just like for the uninitiated to yeah, the occult? Great, um, like just what like is, getting in there with a question. What what could you just tell us a little bit about what it what is the Enneagram? Uh well, it definitely looks like uh a occult symbol. <laughs> If you, it looks like a pentagram if you look at it. Um, and I've and and you know, it's really interesting because it is quite controversial in the Christian world. Um at first, uh white evangelical Christianity sort of co-opted the Enneagram and they were like, Oh my gosh, look at this cool tool. We're gonna do this and we're gonna like put it in all of our churches. Um, and more recently, there's been kind of a drawback on that where people, there's been a lot of people coming out saying uh, the Enneagram is not Christian, actually, and that we shouldn't be mm. um, listening to it. Uh, but for me personally, and for a lot of people that I know that have used this tool, um, it has actually been a tool that has helped deepen their faith and bring them closer to God and closer to others, um, which, you know, as we know in the Bible, are top two commandments are to love God and love others. So if you are a Christian and you're kind of questioning whether the Enneagram is something you should follow or not, in my opinion, it is something that supports both of those two commandments fully. Well, it's not something that you follow, is it? It's more of like a kind of a something to kind of guide you in a direction a little bit. Right. And any teacher of the Enneagram would never say that you, it's definitely not a cult. Let's just put it, we'll just put that out there. <laughs> that's, that's exact. If you are having to say it's definitely not a cult, then, you know, I feel like the people who say are in cults, but I, I'm, I'm a big you fan can of the. definitely <laughs> trust me. Okay. Yeah. I, trust me. I am not about to kidnap you. There really are marshmallows in my van. The, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Enneagram. Yeah. And it has been really useful 
in my spiritual uh, development and uh, even the kind of funny story about how I convinced my wife to start talking to me again involved lots of introspective Enneagram work. Really? Oh yeah. I had, yeah, I had, I had to do a lot of work and, and, uh, used every tool in the, in my tool belt that I could find. Uh-oh. Um, so it's, why is it called Enneagram? Well, it's called the Enneagram because of the nine points that you see. I, it's like really hard when you don't have a symbol in front of you. So everybody listening, go pull up an Enneagram symbol right now. <laughs> and so it's called- I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and so it's called the Enneagram because of the nine points that are on- um, the, the symbol. And if you want to dive deeper into the symbol, it's actually made up of a bunch of different symbols, um, that stand for different things that are also kind of controversial, right? Like the law of three is throughout the Enneagram, um, because there's, uh, each, each of the numbers is within what is called a center. And so there's three numbers in each center, um, and that means something. And then there's things called tri-types and there's like, we can get really, really deep into Enneagram. What do you call it? Enneagram theory. And there's actually lots of different theories about the Enneagram too. Like some teachers teach it a certain way and some teachers teach it another way. Some teachers don't even use the numbers on the Enneagram. They only use your center. And so they will, hmm. um, just only teach from the center. And that's like the main thing that you need to work on and heal and work with. And so you don't even necessarily need to know your number in order to have um, a huge effect from it. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not as familiar with the Enneagram as Nathan is, and obviously as you, can you tell for, especially for our listeners who have zero concept of what are you talking about? Can you just like very basic one-on-one, what is this? And is it a test you take? Is it something you figure out? That kind of thing. Yeah. So the Enneagram is a psychological tool that teaches us about human motivation. And so every other tool that you see out there, Myers-Briggs and DISC and all those different kinds of tools, they're all about human behavior. And so they're going to tell mm. you the behaviors that you do, right? So you're a I'm an ENFP, right? So I'm an extrovert. And so these are the behaviors that you can expect from an extrovert, right? That's a Myers-Briggs. But from the Enneagram, what's interesting is that it teaches you about your motivation. It teaches you why you do the things you do, not how you do them or the things that you do. And this is really significant because um, a lot of people can behave in similar ways, but when you learn why it is that you're behaving in that way. So for example, mm. I'm an Enneagram seven, right? And sevens are very much seen as like the life of the party. They love to have fun. They love to travel. They love adventure. They love to try new things. Um, they love to meet new people. Like th they're just very much like always seeking out something new, something exciting, something um, that will interest them. And they don't, there's things that, a lot of things don't keep their interests for very long, right? Um, but the actual core motivation of the seven is the seven is trying to avoid pain. And so mm. it looks like the seven is healthy and happy and doing all these things and creating these experiences. And in reality, it's actually a coping mechanism for avoiding 
sitting with pain in their life. And so when you can Mm. start to understand these motivations, it becomes very powerful to really understand why you are the way you are. And what the Enneagram really teaches us is the box that we're in. And then it gives us the choice to step outside of that box if we want to and make a different choice. Hmm. And the other thing the Enneagram teaches us is the gift that we have to offer this world. So one of the theories of the Enneagram is that we are a divine spark. And when we come into this world, we have a gift to offer the world. And each of the types has a different gift. And then what happens over time, whether it's through nature or through nurture, the ego starts to develop and the mm-hmm. ego is like a fake version of the gift. And so we have this beautiful gift that we're meant to offer the world. And then the ego develops and we start to offer it in a fake way, in a way that we think that we're doing it, but it's not really what we're doing. We're not really doing it that way. And it can become very unhealthy. It can become toxic. It can become really stressful. And so the Enneagram teaches us what we're doing in our ego. Like, what does our ego look like? How to relax that ego so that we can start to return back to our true essence. So you can see Mm. where the spirituality comes in here, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the, so I like, you you talked about an Enneagram seven and the meme version of an Enneagram seven is I I like to have fun. I like variety. And so it can be easy to say like, well, I like to have fun. I like, I want to, you know, I like Mm -hmm. people. I, I like experiences and to say, Oh, I'm, I must be a seven or like, even like I kind of want to be a, a seven, but I, it's what I liked about the Enneagram compared to, you know, I, I just like learning stuff. So like Myers Briggs, <laughs> I like Myers Briggs too, but mm-hmm. Myers Briggs just tells me kind of like, this is what you are. There it is. Mm-hmm. And Enneagram was like, here's some advice. <laughs> here's, here's some things you can do. Here's what is going to be hard for you. And even here are the lies that you're telling yourself um, that if you can Mm. just kind of start to recognize those, uh, like you said, you're being offered a fake gift. So um, Mm. you think that you're maybe chasing after security, but what you're doing is actually making it worse. So um, I definitely see that idea, though, of, you know, uh, maybe our strengths are often also our weaknesses, Mm -hmm. Um, the things that that we have in in our personalities that can be such a blessing, you know, in maybe our sinful state or in our fallen or, or uh, ego state, then that's also like the problems that we have and the the ways that we Mm -hmm. hurt each other. Yeah. And well, in our ego state is when we are living the most in fear, right? Because we're not living, we're not living in the confidence of who we are. And this is one of the places where it gets controversial in Christianity because a lot of people feel like if you're if you're seeking self, then you're not seeking God, right? And so mm. if I'm if I'm seeking to learn more about myself, then I'm actually not seeking to learn more about God. Um, and I think that that is I think that's a, a misconception because I believe that when what I have learned about myself is the places where I resist God because I live in fear versus living in the trust and the love and the grace and all the things that, that are the gifts that God wants to give me. Right. And so for me, um, learning more about myself 
is not a selfish act, right? It's a way for, it has been a way for me to deepen my faith and deepen my relationship with God because it's a way that I have realized how fear shows up for me and how fear um, reigns in so many areas of my life and how I can relax that fear. I had always assumed that the, the Enneagram was just like another personality quiz thing. Yeah. It does seem like at work, that it's my Christian friends who know the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's my non-Christian friends who are, who have never heard of it. So it's, it's yeah. funny that there is a, um, a history of Christians using the Enneagram, but also it does seem like it has become more popular recently, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, you, you mentioned the controversy. I, I don't know that much about the controversy over the Enneagram. I haven't heard much of that. But it's interesting that it's interesting the subculture kind of that has has found this tool, I guess. Yeah, it was really popularized. Um, you know, Richard Rohr uh, uses the Enneagram, and then Suzanne Stabile really popularized it as well. Um, and then Ian Morgan Crone, and there was a book that came out um, called "The Road Back to You." And then uh, there was another book that came out called "The Path Between Us." And so these were books that were basically helping people come back home to themselves. And that's one of the goals of the Mm. Enneagram as we talk about the essence, right? Oh, sorry. As we talk about the essence is for, um, for us to come back home to who we were truly meant to be, not who, not this like fake version of ourselves that we've created because we think we're supposed to be a certain way. And Suzanne Stabile you know, her husband is a preacher in Dallas, right? So she's very well known in the Christian community. And so I think she's one of the people who really brought it to Christianity. Um, And one of the controversies around it, which I would love to hear um, y'all's opinion on this, is one of the controversies around it is that um, it's said that the Enneagram was received through automatic writings, and I don't know the validity of that for sure or not, but I think that's an, to me, that's a very interesting thing to be upset about, especially for people that believe in the Bible, because I believe the <laughs> Bible was also received through automatic writings, but I would love to hear y'all's opinion on that or thoughts on that. I, I, I tend to be pretty pragmatic. I mean, I don't really care how it got here. <laughs> if it makes sense <laughs> and if it's helping people and. If it helps you, you know, figure things out, then it works for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My, my introduction to the Enneagram was the road back to you. And so mm-hmm. there, if you, it is very difficult to get people to agree on what the history of the Enneagram is. That's true. So if you, depending on your source, you will get wildly uh, different, um, different histories, how old it is what religions use it or started it, um, how it got mm-hmm. to us. My, I, I like my own, um, I, I want to say that in the road back to you, there's maybe a slight allusion to maybe a monastic tradition using this to help, mm-hmm. um, to help, uh, priests. I was like, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, that's good for me. <laughs> um, I, I like that idea and I'm a, yeah. So it, it's, it's a funny, I really w- wish I knew like what is the answer to that question because you if you go- if you try to f- find the answer you mm-hmm. really will find a bunch of different uh, a histories. lot of different things yeah and it said you know the the kind of 
legend of the Enneagram, I guess, is that uh, when it originally was received, um, you could actually understand everything in the world through the Enneagram, through the through the symbol. Um, that's without mm. the personality piece of it, right? And so it was passed. Supposedly, it was passed down through oral tradition for a long time, and it was and it was kind of exclusive, right? It was like, oh, we can't share this mm. with everyone, you know. And so then over time, it's, you know, become what it is. And like, as Steve said, it's very powerful and it works well. And as long as it's something that works for you, then definitely use it. Oh, so Steve, I wanted to answer your question about how do you find your number, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the process is a lot. So there are there are tools, there are typing um, tests that you can take, just like you can take a Myers-Briggs test. But the problem is these tests can't measure motivation. And so Mm. you are the only person that could ever know your number and you're the only person that could ever know what your true motivations are. And so even seasoned like Enneagram veterans who have studied this for their whole lives, they will never type you because first of all, it's considered unethical to type someone and they could never truly know what your motivation is. And this is why for me, I believe that the Enneagram is an actual spiritual journey because a lot of times people go through different numbers before they land on what their actual number is. And there's, it's an important part because there's, there are, we do have all nine numbers within us and there's different pieces from each number that are potentially parts of us that need to be healed. And so it's, possible that as you're going through these numbers, you need to have that number with you for that period of time in order to heal something within you until you get to what your actual essence number is. Hmm. So how did you find out about, how did you discover the Enneagram? What was your journey like? So, well, I heard about it first, probably, I don't know, like in 2013-ish. And we were going to use it at work for a, like, you know, personality test at work, you know, to like learn about your coworkers and all that. Right. Yeah. And it was very hard to understand. And I was just like, never mind, forget this. Like, I'm not even interested in this, <laughs> but they say once the Enneagram gets you, it has you. And then like, it'll always come See, back up for you. You keep talking about it like it's a cult. <laughs> You're scaring people away. <laughs> The Holy Spirit works through the Enneagram to reach you. That, that, that's the right wording. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, when the Spirit uh, moves you towards the Enneagram, the Spirit will continue to move you towards the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut the I'll cut that other part out. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Definitely not a cult. <laughs> it's definitely not a cult. <laughs> um, and so then I was reintroduced to it through like memes and different things like that. And I actually have a friend who is a five. Um, And so for those of you that are fives, you know that fives don't typically, when they start to learn about something, they don't typically let it go and they learn everything they possibly can about it. And so through her, I started learning a lot more about it because my original process for figuring out my number was getting the book, The Road Back to You. And at the beginning of each chapter, there's like these statements that are like, if you are, if you are like this, then this is your number. And so I read through, like, I, there was a couple numbers I thought I was. And so then I read through those statements and I was like, yeah, I'm that. 
And then I was done. I didn't read the book. <laughs> I didn't read anything mm. else about it. I just read through the statements and I said, yeah, I'm good. And so the first number I thought I was, was a three. And mm. so I stayed at three for a while, but threes are really motivated by, um, uh, other, the way other people see them. So they're kind of, um, oftentimes they can be seen as shapeshifters because they, they become who, who, whoever they need to be in order to, um, be be success be seen as successful in the eyes of whoever they're with right so they're really motivated mm -hmm. by the way other people view them and i was i had a lot of the same behaviors as a three right they're very um they're very motivated they're they're often like entrepreneurs they're success focused like they're really driven um and they're kind of like the shining like the shining star like the um the joke is like, God said, let there be light. And then there was a three. And so, <laughs> um, I, I identified with that a lot. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, I identified with that a lot, but the motivation wasn't there for me. So then, um, as I was going through my journey, you know, I started to, uh, really identify with a one. And at the time I was, uh, in a job that was just really not right for me. And I was really unhappy in that job. And, uh, a lot of the characteristics of the one were coming out, right? Like a lot of perfectionism, a lot of judgment. I was very judgmental of the people around me. I was angry a lot of the time, uh, with the people around me because nobody was doing anything right in my opinion. Um, and so I really identified, with the one. And then this friend who is also a life coach, by the way, uh, she, I was telling her, so ones they go to seven in growth. And so I was telling her about the like, Oh yeah, I can definitely see where these times in my life, these were like growth periods because these are things that I did that were very much in my seven. And like, this was a time that I was growing. And she was like, what if, you're actually a seven. And right now you're in a period of stress because sevens go to one and stress. And that kind of broke everything open for me, realizing how unhappy I was in a lot of areas of my life, not just work, but in other areas mm. as well. And so that was my journey. That was my Enneagram number journey, which is why I think it's important to allow people to explore the numbers and then one of the goals of the Enneagram is self-compassion. But then as you start to explore all of the Enneagram, you start to have compassion for all the numbers. And so it's compassion for self first, and then you start to learn compassion for others as well. So to be clear, this is not one number is better than the other. Definitely or preferable not. Than the other. <laughs> one, of the, one of the questions I had pre-written down was, so I'm a five, but some people are not. So what can they do to be more like me and less like them? <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, I, I do think the, um, so you mentioned right, ones. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, um, so you, you alluded to a couple of things. So there's, there's these nine different types, nine numbers, one through nine. Mm -hmm. And then the shape is kind of showing how they're connected to mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And there's directions, right? So you said that you were stressed out and that a seven, you said, goes to one in stress. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's what kind of makes the shape happen is these little interconnected lines. 
Yeah. Well, this is one theory. So some teachers don't teach the stress and growth numbers um, because they don't Mm. believe in them. So, but yeah, that is one theory and one way that I think you can find your number because you are connected to other numbers. And so a lot of times you can understand what characteristics. So seven goes to five in growth, actually. Um, And Mm. so you can kind of start to understand different periods of your life and different things that you do. And, you know, kind of Nathan, to your point about, well, I've, well, I've integrated. And so now I'm showing these characteristics. Your number actually doesn't change over time. Um, And the best way to figure out what your number is, is to, to look back as far as you can to childhood and figure out how, what was your motivation? How were you behaving then? And that's going to be your, your number then, but it's probably your unhealthy version of your number at that point. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I mean, I've heard about the, like the stress and the growth, like Mm -hmm. kind of moving toward a different number. Um, but like, I've I've been going for the past couple of years. I've been going through like massive mm-hmm. stress for the like, past two years, like, sure. and especially the past year. Like, well, um, the world has been going through stress for the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, do do you tend to move toward the the stress number like the whole time, or is it? Mm-hmm. How's that work? Well, there's there's two theories on this, right? So, yes, you can when you're feeling stressed you can show unhealthy characteristics of your stress number, right? So as a seven, my number, my stress number is a one. And so oftentimes when I get stressed, you'll see like these very perfectionistic tendencies coming out of me, like anxious perfectionist, right? Like everything Mm. has to be done a very specific way and it's not good enough. And like the unhealthy version of the one, but there's also levels of self-mastery within your own number. And so Hmm. typically we are kind of all at this like average level of self-mastery, right? And the goal is that we're kind of moving up. We're always, as we do our inner work, we're always moving up the the ladder to higher self-mastery. And the theory is that it's kind of like a rubber band, right? And so as you start to move up, you start to move up the rungs a little bit and you you can't go back down as far as you were before. So even mm. when you get stressed out, as you start to master your number more and more, you'll still stretch back down low to lower self-mastery, but it'll never be as low as when you first started. Does that make sense? Hmm. We're getting into some like deep Enneagram theory here, guys. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, this is a lot, a lot more complicated than I thought. It's really fun. And this is like, we're still like scratching the surface here. So it's, it's definitely one of those that there are some things that are easy to like the color wheel, wheel is easy to explain in, in a sentence. Yeah. Um, but the Enneagram is one of those that once you've maybe investigated it a little bit and read some and started to figure yourself out, it, it, it really will click and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's really difficult to explain to just from scratch mm-hmm. because you because there's so much going on, um, you know. Th- there's so much going on, and it's it's a lot of information very very quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
So how how does this um, kind of moving into the faith side of things? You kind of alluded mm-hmm. to it earlier, Krista. But so say I've I've I'm working on figuring out my number. Mm-hmm. Um, how and as I as I hone in on that, like you mentioned, like the process. Mm-hmm. How does that help me with my faith walk? How does that how does it impact that? And how and maybe how can you use the enneagram to help you? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think it's, I think it is going to be different for everyone, right? You're going to, everybody's going to kind of explore it in the way that is right for them and the way that the spirit leads them to explore it. <laughs> um, well done. Th- thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I'm fourth, I'm fourth generation Church of Christ. You guys, I know the lingo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So for me, you know, and I know you guys asked me this before I came on here to kind of think about like what what did did this mean for my faith journey and like what was kind of my spiritual journey? Because for me, the Enneagram was actually one of the tools that took me on, can I say deconstruction on my deconstruction yeah. journey? <laughs> um and that is kind of scary for some people, right? Because it's kind of mm. like, oh, I don't know if I want to pick up this thing that's going to help me to start to deconstruct. Mm. But for me, whenever I, whenever I realized that I was a seven and I finally got to that place, it was this realization that there wasn't, not that there wasn't anything wrong with me, but that the way that I am, like who I am at my core is not inherently bad or wrong. And for me, that's not what I was always taught growing up in the, in mm. the faith community, right? We're, we're taught that we are inherently bad. We're inherently sinful. Um, and we have to kind of fight against that our entire lives. And we've, there's, to me, that brings up this sort of like inner battle, right? We're kind of always having this, this inner battle with ourselves. We're at war with ourselves constantly of this feeling of like, I am bad, but I'm doing all these good things. And for me, I was doing all the good things, right? I was checking Mm -hmm. all the boxes. I was like the poster child for the church of Christ growing up. I was an intern in college. I was a missionary when I got out of college, you know, I was checking all the boxes and I was still being told that I wasn't worthy and I wasn't good and I wasn't um, enough. Enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that there were parts of me that were that were really bad. And when I found the Enneagram and I started to explore these parts of myself that were kind of spontaneous and rebellious and a little bit crazy and a little bit impulsive, right? It was this realization of that's not bad. That's actually a gift. This is actually a beautiful thing that you can offer Mm. to the world and you don't have to be ashamed of it. And actually, if we believe what the Enneagram teaches us, it's actually a gift from God. Like this gift that I have, which the gift of of the Enneagram 7 is potential, and so the Enneagram seven can see potential in any person in any situation, and they bring that potential out of people. And that's a beautiful thing. It's not a negative thing. Wow. Hmm. And so for me, as you start to explore and you start to discover your number, that that's my goal for people as they start to learn who they are, is realizing that you have this beautiful gift 
and you were meant to give it and you're not meant to be ashamed of it. And how can you kind of stop this war within yourself and start to celebrate who God really made you to be? I love, I love that idea you're bringing out of, cause I, I had the same thing where I had an idea in my mind of like what, maybe what my life would look like if I had less sin in it or if I did things better or, mm-hmm. or did it enough or, or whatever that was. And my, my idea that I had formed on accident was that if we all did the right things, we would basically all be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so as the spirit increased in us, our unity would make us look uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, but like C.S. Lewis uh, in The Great Divorce and other places, what he talks about is the more you are like Christ, the more you are filled with the Spirit, the more you are like you, like your mm-hmm. true you. Yes. And the more you you blossom into not like a, an automaton, but actually just some unique kind of creature that that is different from the next one. And that that's certainly part of you know kind of that that journey in the enneagram is you know my joke about why can't everyone be a five or i want to be a one Mm -hmm. or an eight but instead oh there's i'm a me and maybe i shouldn't try to like force myself into some other mold Mm -hmm. but maybe i can figure out how to work with this one you know Mm -hmm. in the the right direction so yeah that's really cool and if you realize that we need all types, right? We need every every type brings a certain gift to us that we need. And for me, you know, self-exploration, it's always been really interesting because like I said earlier, in in the Christian church, it's always kind of seen as negative, right? Like, oh, you're seeking self, you're not seeking God. Um, but to me, you know, we are taught that we're all made in the image of God, right? And so wouldn't self-exploration actually be a way for us to understand God on a deeper level, because I have something of God within me, right? I made in the image of God. And so if that's true, and then I start to learn about myself, and then I also start to learn about the other types, then that's a way for me to just completely connect with God on a deeper level and understand the creativity of God and understand the the uniqueness of God, right? Like God made us all a certain way for a reason, Um, not to be uniform to your point. And to me, that's very exciting. Maybe that's a seven thing, (laughs) but it's very exciting um, to know that when you start down a path of, of inner work and self-exploration, you're actually getting to know God on a deeper level and you're getting to understand his beauty and his creativity on a deeper level. Yeah, that's, I've been thinking recently about why people are so enamored with personality categorization in general. Mm. And I've been listening to this. um, There's a podcast called Science Diction. Okay. And it's part of like a Science Friday family of podcasts. And they've been doing a a series about the rise of the Myers-Briggs and like like where it came from, like who started it and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And... I haven't listened to the, to the third episode yet. It just came out yesterday, but and I've just been thinking about it, like why why are we so? I mean, I know myself, right? <laughs> we we think we know ourselves, mm-hmm. but I think that we want to categorize ourselves because I think on a lot of level, a lot of levels we don't know 
why we do the things we do. I mean, well, Paul says it, right? I don't know why I do the things I do, but I do mm-hmm. it anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe Paul needed the Enneagram. Maybe. Um, I think that we have this drive. We, we know in somewhere inside of us that we, that there's more to know about who we are and how we can connect with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing that kind of is exciting to me about this whole Enneagram thing is a, kind of a tool to help you kind of get, go, to, go in that direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if we want to go down a little bit of a science path here, you know, they're yeah. proving that 98% of what we do is, is subconscious, right? We, most of what we do is programming, and that programming happens between ages one and seven. So 98% mm. of what wow. you do, you learned before age seven. And so you learned it. And if you think about how young we start going to church and how young we start learning Old Testament stories and different things like that, right? It's very programmed into us. And I think it's really important for us to start saying, okay, what what are these beliefs that I have? Why do I have them? Where did they come from? Are they serving me? Are they serving my fellow man? You know, and that's a big thing that's been happening over the last year and a half, especially, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, Christians get scared of that because it feels like you're questioning the Bible or you're questioning God or you're, you know, you're questioning truth. But for me, it's like, well, if it's truth, it should always hold up. I could question it all day long and it's always going to hold up. Right. And so I think it's really important because so much of what we do in our day to day is a set of beliefs that we don't even necessarily know that we hold. And when we start to do our inner work, we start to understand what those beliefs are. And if we want to hold on to them or not, and if they are good for us or not, if they're helping us or not. Right. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I feel like it's also a very Protestant Christian uh, resistance to the the self-diving thing. Mm. You know, we don't want to be self-absorbed and that there can be a problem with navel gazing, you know, which I'm definitely guilty of. Sure. But I definitely tend to hurt people out of my blind spots. Mm-hmm. And the 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 less healthy I am or the less self-aware I am, the more I'm hurting people and I don't even know it. And I, mm. I always like the, you know, the log and speck analogy from the Sermon on the Mount, you know, where G- Jesus does say, where should you start? Uh, yeah. what, what should your priority be? But he also, you know, I always imagine myself just like knocking people over the head because I don't know there's a log sticking out of my eye. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people that walk around and do that. And I, I do that as well. So that self-awareness is definitely can be a, a strong spiritual discipline, I think, that mm-hmm. can not just to, to fall in love with myself and that's the end, but to understand. And in maybe like, I remember at the end of uh, the book with, um, I, I was introduced to this practice called Examine. Mm-hmm. which I think is a you know Catholic or Orthodox practice where all you do is at the end of the day, you think back to your, through your day without judging yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard for me as a evangelical to think throughout the day and not judge myself. Cause I'll be like, mm-hmm. well, 
I was far away from God and it's because I was doing this or, you know, I lost my temper and it's because of this, but you just kind of relax and just like, just like, it's okay. That's what happened. That's who you were today. You know, what's the pattern or what's, you know, you you really can learn a lot if part of your discipline is looking inward. Yeah. And that's one of the things the Enneagram encourages is to not judge anything that you learn about yourself. It's all information, right? And then even as Mm. you start to explore and you start to notice these patterns and you start to notice these beliefs that are coming up, not passing judgment about them, because there's going to be some things that come up that you don't like and that you're thinking, man, why do I do that? And, And you'll start to notice it and then you'll, you won't be able to not notice it. And so the Enneagram encourages you to, and the phrase that I love is just to commit to curiosity and to just get really curious with yourself and think, man, why do I do that? Why is this happening? Why did I act that way? Why did I do this? And oftentimes, you know, one of the cool things about the Enneagram is it helps us to understand there may be something that you're doing that is not wrong or bad in itself, but the way that it lands with another person can, can feel bad or wrong to them because they receive things differently, right? Fives, for example, are withdrawn types. So a five, whenever a five needs to process something, they don't want somebody like a seven coming to them and saying, Hey, tell me everything that's going on with you. What's happening? How are you? What's up? Tell me this. Tell me the fives, like, leave me alone and let me go process. And then I'll come back and talk to you. And so it's not that the seven, the seven is being caring. The seven is saying, Hey, I love you. I want to talk to you. I want to help you process this. I want to support you. And the five is not feeling supported at all because they need support by being able to go into their cave and shut the door and process. And so there's a lot of things that as we start to learn about ourselves and learn about others, we can truly love our neighbor because we can start to understand. And this is where like in marriages, it becomes very important, right? Because a lot of, you know, people will say, well, I'm doing this and I don't understand why they're not receiving this in this way. (laughs) And they're (laughs) like, well, I don't know why I'm not receiving it in that way. It's just who I am. And so when you can start to have this language around, this is why I do what I do. And this is why this is important to me, it becomes really powerful in the way that we um, support each other and love each other and show compassion to each other. I don't know Mm. what age I was when I discovered that not everybody thinks the same way I I do, but it was old. It was recent. (laughs) It was like, oh, you know, it took me a long time of really not understanding why people are reacting the way they are. You know, I support people Mm -hmm. by leaving them alone. And that's not how anyone, you know, wants to be supported, um, you know, so it really does give you a, um, you can either use any tool, right. As a weapon or a tool. Yeah. So with my brother, I just use it as a purely as a weapon, Obviously, of course, yes. <laughs> but, uh, uh, definitely, um, if you're using this as just a way to understand, like the people who you get along with the worst that's where this is going to help the best. Yeah. Right. Even if you don't like slip an Enneagram pill into their coffee or however you join the cult, if you just read it and like on their behalf and, and kind of like try to figure out how you think that they might work, you really can start to, uh, I've done this with people at work where like they're, they're not reading the Enneagram, 
books. But so you unethically type them? I yeah. type them unethically. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's that's even how I like figured out like what the numbers were was like a stereotype of the people around me. Sure. Great. It's like, oh, that's that's one of those. But then it's definitely it what helped it's supposed me to be used for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it helped me interact with them. I used right. it unethically for good. It's a is that it's a chaotic good? End. What's, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess wow. if they're feeling more supported and loved by you, then maybe they're we can let great. it slide. Yeah. I maybe I wouldn't be able to the certification board would uh un unnumber me. Take away my number. <laughs> yeah, don't try to get certified by the IEA or anything like that. No. So by under by Digging into the Enneagram, figuring out your number and your and your and your motivations. It, it helps you figure out your motivations, mm -hmm. which then helps you figure out why you're doing what you're doing and how you how you interact with other people and mm -hmm. how you interact with yourself and how you interact with God. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of how how this all works? Yeah, and then with each type, you know, whenever you understand what your motivation is, there is a path you know, the, the path back to you, right? There's a path of growth for each type. Um, and it's usually one that whatever your type is. So this is another way you can know your type, whichever type you don't want to be, that's probably your type. <laughs> so when you're reading about it, <laughs> you're like, that's definitely not me. That's definitely you. Um, that's a real easy way. Just shortcut it. Um, and usually it's a pretty <laughs> emotional experience once you really accept the fact that you are who you are, right? But there's a path back, a path of growth that you can you can start to go down to help heal this part of you. So, for example, for the Enneagram 7, Enneagram 7s avoid pain. That's the core motivation. And so the growth path for the Enneagram 7 is to sit with pain. Which sounds horrible. Mm, it sounds fun. That's just. <laughs> and see, for the five, it's like, let's do this. How's that working out for you? <laughs> It's horrible. It's the worst thing ever. Um, but it helps to, that's the, that's the piece of learning how to understand the box you're in and then understand how to step outside of the box. So there's this really great quote by um, Viktor Frankl and uh, it's, he wrote the man's search for meaning and it says, I'm not going to quote it exactly right, but it basically says um, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our greatest opportunity for growth. And what he means by that is mm. we, whenever we are just constantly responding and we don't understand why we're responding the way that we're responding, we don't know how to change. We don't know how to do it differently. We don't know how to interact differently. But then if we can learn to take that beat, to live in that space, then we can choose a different response and we can do something different. And so for an Enneagram seven, my choice is, am I going to numb this pain out by, you know, going on a roller coaster or am I going to decide to sit with it, allow the pain to happen, like live in my feelings, let my emotions mm. run through me and deal with it. And when I do, then I become a whole person, right? I become a more whole mm. version of myself. Mm. I really like that that quote. How how can people learn more, or how can people kind of start to start to discover this stuff? 
Great question. So I have a typing guide that I would love to share with you guys. And it's different than any other type of like, it's not a test. It's a journaling guide. So it takes you on like Hmm. a journaling experience and you can go through and do this journaling and it helps guide you towards what your number is. So I would love to share that with anybody listening. Um, I think you guys will put it in the show notes And then I would encourage you, um, I kind of have what my, this is my like little unconventional way of getting your type if you guys want to hear it. So I love to tell people if they feel like they have to take a test, then like go take a test. And the best test is the ready test. Um, it's like $12. Take that test. Spelled weird. Yeah. R H E T I. Um, so Russ and Hudson are the two leading Enneagram thought leaders. Sorry, Riso Hudson. I totally said that wrong. You guys cut that part (laughs) out. Um, And so they run the Enneagram Institute or did. And so um, that's their test. So you can take that test. And then after you uh, take the test, then go to the road back to you, read through those opening statements of each type and see which one from your top three types from the ready test, see which ones you identify with the most. And then there's an amazing podcast called sleeping at last and sleeping at last. And it's a guy who created a song for each Enneagram type and he plays the song. But then if you listen to his podcast, he goes into um, Chris Hewart's who wrote Um, the sacred Enneagram and the Enneagram of belonging comes on and he describes each type in like the most beautiful way that you've ever heard each type described. And he Mm. describes each type and then they describe how the song was made. And so each song only has um, instrumental music and sounds and everything from the types that are that song. So like if it's the type seven song, it's like instruments played by type sevens, for example, (laughs) it's really amazing, really well done. And it's beautiful descriptions of each type. So that's like my unconventional way of figuring out what your type is. And it's really fun as well in true seven fashion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be my recommendation. And I also have a course if anybody wants to go even deeper, that is like a introduction to the Enneagram. Um, and we do an introduction to the Enneagram and then we do each center. Um, so if you guys are interested in that, I can also offer that course as well. Does the course take a, is a certain amount of time or it's a, like a, how's it work? It's done. It's modules. So it's three modules and they're, I mean, sorry, four modules and they're each like an hour and a half long. Cool. I took the ready thing kind mm-hmm. of in, in preparation for this. Cause I want to no, and it said I'm a seven, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm a seven. Yeah. Now that, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, I think, I think I used to be a seven. <laughs> I love that. It used to be fun, and now you're not. You're not as fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. I used to feel. Yeah. <laughs> I used to feel more fun. <laughs> I do think that first dive in is is a little tricky to to figure out. Because mm-hmm. we're so used to thinking of our sim- our outward part of ourselves, our shells yes. that interact with the world. You know, that's that's how we – it's like, oh, Steve's this – the fun guy that, you know, likes diving into the next new thing. Like we know the outside, but 
uh, it's very hard for anyone but you to really know like why why is Steve like Steve, you know? Well, and I think it, that's that's the problem with the tests with any of this stuff. Like you're kind of you're saying, Chris, is that you go into the test, you're like, I would like to be that. Yeah. And so you choose that. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. But it, it helps Definitely. a lot to know that this is more about the motivations, of, like where, why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And it's not like, here's your number and read a book about you and, you know, have it, have a good day. <laughs> right. There's more to it. And, uh, and that, that's, it seems like that's a big difference between this and the other, and other personality stuff. It's not, here's who you are. It's here's why you do what you do and, and how you can improve yourself. I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So I would just say like, take your top three numbers from the ready and just start to explore those numbers because we also didn't even talk about wings and each number has a wing on each side of it. So like a seven, I have a six wing and an eight wing. And so sometimes there's pieces of those wings that can show up too, that can kind of Mm. move you in a direction or not. And then there's all kinds of, you know, layers to this. So I would say start exploring those top three numbers and reading about those and just kind of see where it takes you. But, you know, commit to the curiosity and then just allow the journey to happen because it's a really fun journey to get to go down. And once you start to read about it, you know, you'll probably, you know, want to figure out Christy's number and you guys will start talking about it. And, you know, even Chris said earlier, my husband, Chris, he doesn't even fully know what his number is. And I'm like super into all of this. And I don't fully know what his number is either. I I was going to have... ask. I was like, what is he? We, we won't tell him. If you... <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him except for he's yeah. going to listen to the podcast. So Yeah, we won't tell the Institute that you've totally typed him. You've got him figured out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did for a while. And then he started to to exhibit some characteristics of a different type. And so then I was like, oh, you're definitely this type. And then as I explored that type more, I kind of went back to the other type. And so we still kind of go back and forth between these two types with him. And he hasn't fully settled on one because he he doesn't really totally know yet what his motivation is. So it's been an interesting path of exploration for him as well to see, you know, his different personality quirks and all kinds of stuff to kind of see what what comes up for him. So it's pretty fun once you... Well, it's inner work, so it's hard, but it's fun hard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it hard. Worth it hard. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely worth it. Change your life worth it. Yeah. It, it, honestly, for me, I, I do think that just starting to see those things, I think for me, uh, typing myself, what helped the most was reading about like the lies I tell myself. Mm. and that's what you were talking about the stimulus and the response i was always having the same response in the wrong direction yeah right because mm-hmm. a you know like uh, one of the things a five will do is think that they're out of energy because the world is sucking it out of me yeah and so they'll be like oh i have to s- retreat just a little bit away from the world so i'll have more energy mm-hmm. but then you have less energy so you're like oh i guess i better retreat a little bit more and then I'd have less energy. So I'd be like, oh, I guess I'll retreat a little bit more. And it turns out my scary answer, yours was to sit in the pain, which is the terror for a, a seven, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine was 
engage with life and you won't die. And I was like, yes, I will though. (laughs) So, um, it's so helpful for me. And you know, that we didn't talk about a lot of the other numbers, but they all have this really helpful direction for, um, how you can respond to those stresses in a different way and how you can understand people in a different Mm -hmm. way. So really cool stuff. Yeah. And even just having a level of awareness, well, there's two pieces to it, right? The level of awareness is really huge because once you become aware of things, that's when you can start to change them. And so having that awareness, yeah. you don't even necessarily need the the next steps to know that like, oh, I have this awareness now. And then you're probably going to know what you need to do next. Oh, I need to do this thing. And so so for me, having that level of awareness is is really like the most important thing. And then the other thing that I think is really powerful about this and about the Enneagram is I think a lot of healing, maybe all healing comes from people being truly seen. And I think there's not a lot of that in this world is that we don't really see people. And whenever you are able to be seen for who you really are, there's a lot of healing in that. And Mm -hmm. so being able to get to a place where you're vulnerable enough to say, this is who I am. Will you see me? And then have other people say, yes, I see you. It can be the most powerful thing of your life, you know, besides Mm -hmm. Jesus, obviously. (laughs) What number is Jesus? (laughs) Yeah, what number is Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's that's probably like a controversial thing if I were to say that, huh? All of them at once. One number, I think. Jesus I think it's is. a good it's a good Rorschach test to ask people because th- I'll be like, he's he's whatever I am. He's one of those. Definitely five. I yeah. Am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or he's all, he's all, he's one through nine. He's 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 in the center of the center. Well, so nine that? is the peacemaker, and they do say that nines. Well, there's a theory, sorry, there's a theory that nine is like the culmination of all the numbers. And so like the nine Mm. is like the unity and the peacemaker and the like bringing of everything together. And the nine, one of the biggest pains of the nine is um, when humanity is not unified. And so there is Mm. something to be said about possibility of of Jesus being a nine, right? Because, you know, his biggest pain was was that so well but he's got to be a pretty integrated guy to to go into the temple and and talk to the pharisees like that as a nine you know I well don't know. nines have an eight wing you know so he's a he's a nine well nine nines an eight wing. are in the anger triad they're in the gut triad and so they get really um if you push nines to a certain point they get really in touch with their anger so start flipping tables yeah, I mean, really, they will not be controlled. So <laughs> we wow. figured it out. God is a nine. <laughs> so you're welcome, nines. I feel like God, the the one I grew up with, is a one, but maybe the you know. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so Krista, before we close out, can you tell people how to where to find stuff about you and how to connect with you? Yeah, sure. Probably the best place is on Instagram. My Instagram is Krista Lauren, which is my middle name. So K-R-I-S-T-A-L-O-R-Y-N. So if you message me over there, I will send you my guide and help you with anything else 
Enneagram related. Sweet. I'm excited to dive into that guide. It's It's been a while since I've done Enneagram stuff. Been like, I don't know, five, five six years, three years. So um, I'm excited to do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to have to get that book. So maybe after we can just have like another podcast and you guys can tell me all the things you've discovered about yourself after you've done these things. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. That sounds really fun to me. I would love it. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Christopher, for being on here. Yeah, and we'll hopefully maybe we'll we'll talk to you later about this again. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. That would be awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll have bets going on what what Steve is, and then we can uh, (laughs) we can see who wins when we come come together. Perfect, I love it. Thanks, Krista. Thank you, guys. See you later. I had been screaming all these messages. I thought you wanted to hear. But it only takes a whisper. Hey, thanks for listening to Following the Fire. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, which includes links to everything we mentioned as well as all the scriptures, head on over to followingthefire.com and just click on this episode. There's also contact information on the website. Let us know what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future topics. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you could. It really helps other folks find the show. And as always, thanks to the fabulous Daniel Wheat for the theme song and the music for the episode. You can find more of his stuff on Apple Music and Spotify. See you later.